Welcome to the How and the Why. With John Barrett Ingalls. Exploring and celebrating the creative process and the creative purpose of authors, editors, and artists that make up and inspire the Black Hill Press family. Black Hill Press is dedicated to the novella. We believe a great story is never defined by its length. Let's get creative. Why brought to you by Black Hill Press. My name is John Barrett Ingalls, and today I am honored to be connected with Dina Drewis, the editor of Novella, Novella Books. New, I always got to say that. Novella. <laughs> say it for me. It's, yeah, just Novella. That's our, it's our um, brilliant uh, marketing scheme to get people to just replace the word novella with novella, but actually like we do that. it on accident all the time. <laughs> <laughs> novella. Yeah. Novella books. Excellent. And <laughs> you started uh, novella back in 2011, is that correct? Yes, 2011 in June. Actually, next week we'll mark our official three-year anniversary. Oh, happy anniversary. Thank you. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, the impetus for starting this publishing company? Well, um, I, back in 2008, um, when I was, I just finished college, my last semester in Paris, and I moved home, and I started interning for a lifestyle magazine in Sacramento, and I made it six days before I figured out (laughs) that's not really what I wanted to do. Um, So I was on Craigslist, just kind of in the writing section, which is very slim pickings typically in Sacramento, but there happened to be this posting for this literary website or literary magazine called Flatman Crooked, and they were looking for some editorial help. Um, So I ended up going and talking with the guys for an hour about Lolita, and they're like, all right, you're in. And that was probably in August of 2008, and um, we... We're a literary magazine um, that eventually expanded to, like, um, we did some poetry anthologies. We did um, the Zero Emissions book, which actually ended up on the cover of Poets and Writers. Um, Mm. It was this book that was bound in seed paper, and the idea was that the book would leave no carbon footprint, and uh, the book tour was done all on bike, and it was this really sort of exciting little quirky project that we were doing um and after that point we had been wanting to get into single author titles for a while but weren't really sure how to go about doing it just because we knew we didn't want to compete with novels um just because the big houses were struggling um doing it themselves so we didn't see how we could really 
compete. So our idea was to um, do novellas, just because no one was really doing it at the time, aside from Melville House, maybe. And um, the idea was to sort of try and engage the community um, on like a ground floor level with these emerging writers so that they would really get attached to these writers and watching the trajectory of their career. So we came up with this thing called Launch where uh, for like a week you would buy a share in the author and it's like 20 bucks or 15 bucks or whatever it is and you get a signed copy of the book and then a handwritten thank you from the author. And the idea is that, you know, in the years to come when they sold their novel to a big house or, you know, won some prestigious award, you'd have this really cool sort of unique memento of, like, a really early part of their writing career. Um, so we launched that with Flower and Crooked maybe within the last year of the company, so probably around 2009-ish. And um, our first author was Emma Straub, who just this week um, hit number 15 on the New York Times bestsellers list with her novel from Riverhead. Oh, wow. So. That's Looking great. back, um, it seems yeah, it seems to us like you know that kind of was a good idea. It, it worked out exactly the way we wanted it to, and um, you know the second author we published with the novella series, which we called New Novella, um, was Eden Lepucky, who a couple weeks ago got picked to be sort of the the poster child for the Hachette Amazon War on Stephen Colbert. So her debut novel. Um, it has been getting tons of airtime on the Colbert Report. Um, it's called California. It's coming out with Little Brown, which is a Hachette imprint. And um, he's urging everyone to buy it through Powell's as a way to sort of stick it to Amazon. So that's been really exciting for us, too. I mean, to see two of our first authors kind of watch their stars rise to, like, these pretty impressive heights. Um, and we published one more by Alyssa Knickerbocker before Flatman Crooked closed its doors. Um, just for Elijah Jenkins, the founder, just needed to take some time away and sort of take care of his personal life. So we folded that. But I was sort of spearheading the new novella at that time, and I wasn't really ready to let it go. I thought it was a really good idea, and no one else was really doing that for novellas at the time. So I branched off and founded Novella. And did you, you, you take those authors with you? Or did you have to go and find your whole new stable of authors? Um, I did. You know, at the time, Emma um, Emma Straub's, her novella had been collected into a short story collection, so we didn't end up re-releasing that. But Eden's and Alyssa's, we immediately put into ebook format, and then I've reprinted Eden's since then. Um, so we, we rolled over a little bit um, just to sort of establish that bridge and sort of um, have something to go with once we open, but after that we um, scouted all new authors and took cold submissions and stuff separately. How is it working being a new company as far as getting submissions? So do you find that you're, you are <clears throat> forced to search through uh, literary journals more than the submissions that come into you, or do you find that there's a balance between the two? You know, it's been, uh, especially in the beginning, we, we did a lot of scouting. Um, that's how most of our titles came about. Um, we would, we read through like all of the five chapters archives and all of narrative and subscribed to a bunch of literary magazines, um, to sort of actively seek out writers that we thought would be a good fit and to email them and see like if they had anything 
between 10 and 40,000 words, and a lot of times they did. Um, we actually took our first cold submission um, about a year and a half ago, and then we just took on another one. So there have been two out of let's see, there's um, out of eight, counting the forthcoming title. So two out of eight have been cold submissions. The rest of them have been um, either solicited by us or brought to us by other writers that you know said like I think that this is a good fit for you guys or, or whatever. Are you looking for anything in particular with the I mean, aside from being a good writer, like are you looking for specific types of stories or um, specific genres? Um, you know, it's tricky. I get that question a lot and I think you know, there is there is some sort of moral obligation that some people see for like editors to have this really expansive um sort of catalog, but we publish so few books that I tend to just respond to the ones that fit within my taste. Um which may or may not be narrow to some people, I don't know. Um, but we don't really have, like, the financial means to kind of plaster the spectrum. Um, so it tends to be, you know, books that I like and I would want to read mm-hmm. if someone else didn't publish it. Um, I, I tend to not go too experimental, but other than that, I'm pretty open. Um, genre, you know, I don't have too strong opinions. I think if it has elements of fantasy or sci-fi, I'm definitely open to all that. Um, it's just got to have, like, a really strong uh, character-driven, you know, not plot, but character, strong character-driven manuscript. So you have, you said you had eight authors now in your stable? Yes. And uh, so are you... I see that you take like about four a year or are you looking to expand that or are you pretty happy with, with the way that everything is progressing with your company? It's, um, it's been about two a year so far and we're hoping to be at four a year by next year. And, um, I don't, I don't see us going beyond that anytime soon just because we like to take the time with each one and to make sure that we're, it's a, it's a small staff. I mean, counting all of our reading volunteers and, you know, uh, PR volunteers and design volunteers and everything else. It's, um, it's, you know, six or seven people typically. And, um, we all kind of have to focus on the project, one project at a time. So I can't see us really taking on more than four in the next couple of years, but eventually maybe. <laughs> 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 now, um, why novellas? Give us a little uh, of your fascination with novellas. Um, it's funny because people think, I mean, it's, I think it's a natural assumption to think like I have some, you know, abiding passion for novellas, which is and isn't the case. Um, I actually, in college, I was really, I really loved short stories, always more than novels. Like, I just really liked the short story form. I liked the how you could consume it really quickly and it leaves you with like these little, you know, little bubbles of inspiration or whatever, whatever you want to call it. Um, And novellas really just came around. I landed on novellas because I just knew that there were stories being written in that link that didn't have anywhere to go. Mm -hmm. And, um, 
and so I, I was just willing to bet that there are going to be a lot of really strong writers that have had short stories published and, and even have novels in the works, but their agents won't even take a look at a novella. And, you know, historically it's been not a or financially viable form, probably for good reason. I mean, it's expensive to print and, you know, consumers typically want to get more bang for their buck in terms of book size. Um, I don't think that's, I think that's less true with a literary fiction crowd, but that's already a struggling <laughs> demographic. So um, we wanted to do novellas just because there weren't a lot of outlets for it. And I also think that it's a really good form for emerging writers. It's It gives the readers like a little more time with the writer than a short story would. And um, a really good introduction, I think, to their style and, and what they're capable of without it being like some massive novel that they have to invest all this time into and maybe may or may not like. Hmm. Well, yeah, I was going to say like like the two authors that you already brought up that you have who went on to write these novels that are gaining attention. It is as a writer, from my opinion, as a writer, it is a great way to master that art of telling a full story. You know, short yeah. kind of, it's a, they're clipped a little bit. You're, mm-hmm. You know, it's hard to get, like, your full arc in there. But a novella, you can get that full arc and cut all the fat off and have everything there, you know, have a good character-driven story. And it'd be a good right. example for what your novel would be like. Right, and what I what I like about the form especially is that no one really ever intends to write a novella. It's sort of an accidental form because, you know, he, there's no there's almost nowhere to sell it. So no writer like says I want to sit down like I want to write an unsellable length of fiction. <laughs> um, it's you know it's you know, either a novel that never made it to novel length, but they couldn't really bring themselves to fatten it up because it didn't need to be, or it's a short story that went on and they couldn't see themselves cutting any part of it. So in a way, it's a really perfect form because the writer is insisting that this is the length it needs to be. So there's mm-hmm. almost, you know, there, there tends to be, I think, less fat or less, um, you know, unnecessary leanness right? Uh, with novellas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could be a little more gratuitous than a short story. Or, right. Um, but we were talking earlier um, before our interview started about you're thinking about trying to get film rights for some of your novellas. And I, I think that the novella is the perfect length for film adaptation. Right. Um, you know, because you watch these movies based off of novels. You're like, wow, they didn't have that character. Why wasn't that? Right. Yeah. <clears throat> the novella, yeah. lengthwise, it fits perfectly into that screen format. It does, and I, you know, I was, um, I was, I've been in a couple meetings with with book to film agents, and and that definitely, I mean, they're aware for sure. There's just sort of a lack of novellas out there to to work from as material. But if you look back on, you know, great films that have been made out of novellas, there's a lot. There's you know, Breakfast at Tiffany's and uh, Of Mice and Men, and um, you know, Heart of Darkness. Uh, I think. Uh, Apocalypse Now is based loosely on it, and mm-hmm. um, there's a, there's just a ton. A lot of them are slipping from my memory right now, but there's a lot, and uh, it it does serve almost as a perfect translate, or as perfect as perfect as it can get, really. Because um, short stories, if they want to make it into a feature, there has to be so much added and sort of imagined. And novels, I think it's so unsatisfactory a lot of times to watch a novel being made in a movie because people that love the novels inevitably have to leave something out. 
and yeah, I, I am excited to be in LA because I think that there is definitely a market for that. And especially with the way, you know, film and TV is changing and, and what they're able to do with TV series now. And, um, it, yeah, I'm excited. I, I've had some really promising meetings so far and, um, we'll see, we'll see what happens. So you started your company up in Sacramento, um, uh, mm-hmm. books, and now you're down here and you've got all of your people all over the place communicating, uh, electronically reading books and sending emails back and forth. Mm-hmm. What is like a typical day in the life of, uh, I guess like a satellite editor. You don't have your office. It's not like, you know, we're coming in and everybody's there and drinking coffee and reading books. So Right. Um, yeah, I mean, the task, this is the thing that I think no one told me and I wish they would have, uh, is that there's <laughs> the part that, you know, I think any, any editor gets, any editor that sounds like an indie press or a lit magazine, they get into it because they really like editing and they like interacting with writers. Um, but that's such a small, the thing that you love to do is really a small percentage of, of what you actually get to spend your time doing. I mean, you have to keep books, like accounting, not book books, but um, accounting and, you know, I'll wake up and just, just to even organize the slush pile to get it assigned to the readers and to take a look at their notes and decide, you know, if you're going to pass it on to your associate editor, take a look, or just read it yourself and handle it. Um, and then, you know, there's a lot of, like, website maintenance and and, and all these little sort of maintenance things um, that I I didn't anticipate doing. Um, and, of course, a lot of emails, but that's that's fun, too, I think, to and social media, of course. But I also think that's part of the fun part, too. Really, mm-hmm. bookkeeping is the worst. <laughs> <laughs> How often uh, do you you find yourself reading new material? Um, For for the like for really in general, I mean, you know, for reading submissions or searching for submissions or just even having time to read on your own. Pleasure reading. Um, I try to I try to definitely fit pleasure reading in there just because I want to be aware of what's happening, you know, in the larger publishing world and um and just to keep me sane. Um as far as scouting goes, um a lot. I mean, I'd say a couple hours I'd say like five to ten hours a week scouting, plus reading submissions and then I don't know, maybe six or seven hours of pleasure reading. So you're a reader. Reading, reading yeah. be a big part of this. Yeah. Yes, yes. <clears throat> um, tell us a little bit about, so you have your, your, your launch program where you've carried that over into novella books um, mm-hmm. from Flatman Crooked. So you have, mm-hmm. um, for the first week, your author has their book available. People can buy shares. And tell us a little bit more. I know you explained that, but... Um, I think it's such a cool concept, and now that it's carried over into your company, it's kind of your thing now. Yeah, um, it's been it's been a really heartening experience um, or experiment rather, um, 
just because now having had the time to see it work for for authors that we've done it for a couple of years ago, um, you know, they have they do have readers that are like, oh my god, I, I launched you back in 2009, and and now look at you, and and I'm such a huge fan. I've been following you all these years. And I think it's really cool for them to see that, and really exciting for the reader too, um, to know that they sort of spotted this talent early on and helped them. I mean, the idea was sort of <laughs> was sort of with Lemon Cook. It was we used to like write up these posts about how like we would show them sort of being like poor writers, like you know, kind of like everyone is, you know, struggling to make ends meet and working odd in jobs and then writing in their free time and. And the idea was that, like, they were actually helping them sort of get off the ground. The readers were helping them get off the ground by, you know, whatever. It wasn't a huge royalty check, but it helped. And um, and so now uh, we do – it's a little different. With Simon Crooked, we actually did a limited run of 500 books, and then once it was gone, it was gone. And um, and now sort of – we don't – I don't want to have any of the books go out of print um, if they don't – if they keep selling. Um, so we do 200 shares in a week, and you get $20, and you get the signed book, uh, the handwritten postcard, and an ebook. And um, and yeah, they it's been really we sell you know more books in the first week than we do over the next you know couple months probably. So how do you, how do you get the um, uh, the reader to get interested in in the writer, especially if it's somebody that they they're not familiar with? Um, so we post some of their previously published work, um, and on the on the like the launch page, so that they can get an idea of what their style is like and if it's going to be something they're they're into. Um, and we depend a lot on the writers' community and the writer themselves to push it. And um, I think like literary fiction, especially like the indie literary fiction community is really super supportive and um it's i mean it's worked really well you you know you ask for some help you ask your friends to share it if they think it's cool and, and they do so um, you put um like uh, selections from the piece that people are going to buy as well or yeah um, we um we we have like a partnership with recommended reading by electric literature so we run an excerpt the week before there sometimes or we've done one on nervous breakdown i think um we'll run an excerpt yeah of the of the novella and you know get blurbs from sort of more established writers and, and that kind of thing you also James, have James franco one time oh really <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm pretty sure it's his assistant that gave the blurb but you know we got to say having that name that brings in readers yeah um and then once the 200 shares are gone then the book just goes on to regular circulation selling right yes mm-hmm. and you also have uh yeah i'm gonna my french is brilliant just warning you, you have a <laughs> font terrible yeah yeah you can tell so, us a little um, bit about that and you could say well, that much too <laughs> um so that started just because we didn't really want to We'd been doing emerging authors, and it kind of occurred to me, like, well, yeah, we could do that, and we still want to do that. That really wants to be sort of the the um, the primary stone of novella. But there, it's I was talking to you know some writer friends that have had novels come out, and and they still have trouble placing their novellas. I mean, there's not that many places that they can send it to. 
their agents typically don't want to deal with it because a big house isn't going to take it. And if a big house doesn't take it, it's not really much money for the agent. So, you know, why are they going to bother? And um, so we wanted to open ourselves up to that. Um, and we're hoping to expand to sort of bigger names just so that they can have this work out there, that there, there's a home for it and they don't have to necessarily bury it in a collection or something. That's cool. So it's more for established writers getting some of their smaller works out. Yeah, and, you know, projects that, that mean a lot to them, but they just that's, it's sort of just rotting away in their shelf. And, and for the readers that like their work, to be able to have that work to read. Are you um, finding that you're getting submissions for that? Is that um, slowly? I know you just introduced it. Yeah, we kind of just launched it. Um, I'm not really at liberty to say any names, but yeah, yeah. we've been. Um, it's it's a little trickier just because there are the agents to work with, and a lot of authors have contracts with their publisher where they can't really, if it's over a certain word count, the publisher has to see it, and and they kind of have to be on board. So it's a little tricky, um, but yeah, we are hoping to sort of snag some of these works um which is really exciting it'll be it'll be a good thing for the company exposure wise and and all that yeah i mean really it takes one i, I tell this to the our family at black hill press it just takes one author to bring attention to everybody else in the family oh yeah for sure uh, so now we're we're in June. We're almost at the end of June, but it is novella month. So tell us a little bit about what you guys are doing for novella month. Um, so I think we started yeah two years ago, like a year after we had started. We're like it was short story month, I think in in May, and we're like, hey, why isn't there a novella month? And it <laughs> turns out there was. And it was um, <laughs> founded by Dan Wicket, who's the founder of Zank Books. And he had done it, he'd sort of declared June Novella Month a couple years prior, but, um, you know, there's not a ton of interest in novellas. So it kind of had fallen by the wayside a little bit. And I emailed Dan, I was like, hey, how do you feel about a sort of reviving novella month? He's like, yeah, absolutely, go for it. So we just ended up for that, that first year just sort of crowdsourcing a list of novellas just to kind of give people a reading list to start from and and for me to learn about novellas that I didn't know existed and, and sort of have everyone compile this together. And um, that was really fun. And then last year, I don't think we did anything crazy. I mean, we haven't – there hasn't been a lot that we've done, but we we put everything on sale all month. Um, everything on the site this month is on sale for 30% off with code Novella Month. Um but we just kind of like take the time to recognize that it is a form and it's a necessary form and it's a form that's important, but just sort of overlooked a lot of times. I think there is, I mean, looking back even since we started, there's been, there have been a lot of like essays about the form. Like Ian McEwen wrote um, a great essay in the New Yorker a couple of years ago about how it's his favorite form. It's one of my favorite things that have ever, has ever been written on the novella. And obviously, you know, Dennis Johnson of Melville House does an amazing job of keeping the form alive and, and all that. And then there's places like you guys and Dock Street Press and Hobart has an imprint that does novellas. So it's definitely, I think especially with like indie presses, it's something that they're able to embrace just because it tends to be small-scale print runs and everything else. So it's a little more sustainable. 
I think it's great for this short attention span mm-hmm. uh, generation, you know, just wants to read, like, BuzzFeed articles. Yeah, absolutely. Throw a novella in their hands. You know, you take a couple days and it's done, so you don't have to necessarily invest months in this giant thousand-page book. Yeah, totally. And, and, I mean, I I love reading books. I tend to read physical books, but I do have a Kindle. And, you know, the idea of taking, you know, uh, Proust or something on a trip with you, it's like, oh, it's going to be a heavy book to take with me. Um, so, I mean, the novels are fun in that way. Even for short trips, you can take it on the bus with you or the subway or whatever. And, right, flying to New York or whatever. Right. Well, we are out of time. I'm sure there's a million other things that I didn't get to cover, but uh, um, if I think of them, maybe we'll do another interview and I'll cover those things as well. Yeah, great. Thank you so much for uh, giving us your time and and, uh, all of the information. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. This has been The How and the Why by Black Hill Press. I'm John Barrett Ingalls. The show was produced by Kevin Stanek and yours truly. The music is Mea Lua by Bossa Zuzu. I wanted to thank everybody for your creativity and your inspiration and to remind you all to keep making art. Thank you.